for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Bible on your phone or you have actually a proper one, um, turn it to um, Acts chapter 15 and the end of, and we'll be going into chapter 16. One of the reasons why I love the Bible, it's authentic. They didn't rub out all the difficult bits. They, they put it all in there, you know, no matter who it offended. Um, but the, uh, the, the writers, they wrote it as it was. And I'm so glad that has happened because we have a, a window into authentic church life as the kingdom of God expanded. So important. So, Father, I thank you for this word. You, your Holy Spirit gives it to us, Lord. We thank you. We, we love reading it, Lord. Um, it's a lamp to our feet and certainly a light to our path. And I pray you'd help me this morning as I serve our dear friends well. Paul Claydon and I um, attended a very special meeting. Um, it was an evening seminar at a Baptist church, Paul. Do you remember, in Tenterden about five years ago? It was, it was about a book. I can't remember the name of the title. The Shack. Does anybody remember The Shack? And it was quite controversial at the time. So we thought, well, there was somebody who was doing a special theological um, thesis on it. So we went there and uh, it was, uh, we knew it was at a church. We'd never been to this church before. We knew it approximately where the building was. And, uh, and so seeing the cross on the building, we walked in the door and found the room and the people were very pleased to see us. And we sat down and uh, they looked at us and we looked at them and, um, and they said, can we help you? And we said, we've come, for the, we've come for the seminar. And they said, no, this is a Roman Catholic parochial church council meeting. You need next door. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yeah, they're very nice. And so uh, we said, well, well, we'll leave you then. And uh, thank you very much. And we, we went to the seminar. Do you remember that, Paul? Thank you. You were as shocked as I was. Um, not all doors... Thank you, Steve Brie, for producing this from his uh, ample storage at the um, theatre company. Um, I, I, I wanted one with really a lock that opens, but you've got to use your imagination today, um, cheapskate, but uh, it's great, really. <laughs> Not all doors that beckon are we meant to go through. Not every door that beckons are we meant to go through. The challenge is there are some doors that we are meant to go through. And I would say here today, every one of you has faced a, oops, a door to go through or you will be challenged, you will be facing a door to go through. So I've just baptised my feet in water. Now Luke, the writer of Acts of the Apostles, informs the readers prior to the start of this next phase of Paul's missionary journey there had been some relational problems in the team. If you, if you turn to Acts 15, verse 36, and I'll pick it up then. And after some, so Luke, he's just giving an account what happened. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. He's called John Mark, okay? 
But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them in the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Interesting. Because if you wanted to um, try and prove to people that um, Christianity is all fantastic, it would have taken that bit out, wouldn't they? But Paul, hey, Paul wrote, this is, this is what happened. And you can trust the Holy Scriptures. And you can see how God, through ordinary people, broken light, extends his glorious kingdom. So you can see that Paul and Barnabas had had a sharp disagreement about who would be on the team for the next stage of the journey. Now Barnabas had wanted to take John Mark with them, but Paul, because of a character weakness in John Mark, which is still yet to be addressed, felt clearly it would be a risk for the mission, because it was a dangerous mission. He couldn't afford to have somebody who was going to leave midway through again. He needed to have somebody who would not pull back when the pressure came, as he had done before in Pamphylia. It says in Acts 13, before this event, that now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them, he went through a door and returned to Jerusalem. He just left. And this is later on, where Paul saying, well, hold on a minute, um, Barnabas, I love you, but he left. And in the, in the purposes of God, leaders, are, leaders um, have to be shaped. It, it requires shaping. Paul was looking for character. You're going to stick with us on this mission. And it needs capacity. That's one of the things in any leadership role. You need capacity to do it, don't you? And thirdly, you need a commitment which was vital to this missionary expedition that Paul was called upon to go and strengthen the churches again. The lovely thing about this story, it doesn't end there. In 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul now in in, in prison, he he writes, only Luke is with me. Now this is the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke, that wrote Acts of the Apostles. Luke stood with Paul through thick and thin right to the very end. It's amazing that we have this insight into Paul's um, life really. He said, all in such and such a place have deserted me. Only a few are left. But I fulfilled what God called me to do. So there is that reality of the kingdom expanding. But he writes to Timothy, he said, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, that's John Mark, and bring him to me with you because he is helpful to my ministry. You see, he came back through the door because the years of maturing in the purposes of God produced a greater capacity and a reliability in Mark. And the challenge is that sometimes we try and shortcut that in life. And there are no shortcuts. It says in the Old Testament, when they were building the, the Old Testament temple, it, um, 
the scriptures say that the sound of the stonemason's hammer will not be heard in the temple courts. That's a profound statement. As we are the New Testament temple of God, sometimes God has to work on us out there. So there's a good fit in here. That's why your work, whatever you're doing in life, it's a, it's a 24-7 character building, discipleship making, chip, 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 saw, 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 till we conform to the image of Christ. But God can conform us to his image out there as he can in here because you're committed to Jesus. So when you go to work or you, 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 another day in the life of a, a mum or dad with the children, it's opportunity for we're being conformed to his image. And one thing he wants to build into us, amongst all the other wonderful things, is character and stickability. Because if you're raised in a family, if you have got families, you just can't walk out of family, can you? When you have kids, you're gone for life. We did a, a, had a wonderful um, time with uh, Catherine and David getting married yesterday, and thank you, church, for all you did. And we had... Um, the, the father of the groom was with us and um, my friend and brother-in-law David, we were talking uh, uh, about um, um, our children and uh, the, 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 bride's, uh, the, the bridegroom's father just said, well, that's it now. He's gone. <laughs> As all br- bridegroom's fathers say that, or bride's fathers say that, that's it, great, they got married. And we, sh- we shouted out, no, no, you've gone for life anyway. They are yours for life. Uh, and uh, What a joy that is. Even though your children grow up, leave home, and some get married, they're still your kids. They still come back and raid the fridge. <laughs> because it's a commitment. Family is a commitment, isn't it? And everything. Every- because God is committed to us. If God walked away from us when we messed up, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Yeah, when we mess up. Yesterday I was, I was um, taking the marriage and uh, <laughs> doing the vows for their wedding and do you, you know, da-da-da-da. And I lost one of the sheets. I, I, and so I, I, I didn't know what to do. And it's like, in front of everybody, I had to stop and go and find the sheets. And there was, there was the bride and groom just looking at one another. And I said, well, I'll go and find out what you meant to say in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> and I felt terrible. I really did because I let somebody down. But life can be like that, can't it? We let each other down because we're not perfect. But we can be authentic. And that's what Luke was building here and Paul was building. It's authentic. Yeah? This, this church is a safe place to fail. We've always said that, isn't it? This, this place here is a safe place to fail. Yeah? And in, in doing that, we'll succeed. Rick Warren said this, maturity is when you live your life by your commitments, not by your feelings. Oh, that's good, isn't it? When the kids are screaming, they've messed up everything. Maturity is when you live your life by your commitments, not by your feelings. Same for marriage too, isn't it? You know, we, after two years, began to work out what marriage was, being married. Maturity is when you live your life by your commitments, not by your feelings. John Francisco, that great gospel singer, said, um, love is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. Do you remember that? Brilliant. Rick Warren also said this, maturity is produced through relationships and community. I can't walk out my marriage, not that I want to, but there's times when I was tempted, at least for 24 hours. 
and Sue felt the same, but we're committed to one another because we took the vow seriously. Till death us do part. You know, it's far easier to run than to resolve. To go through the door, I'm off. Than to resolve and walk it through. But if you, my observation is this, it's happened to me, if you run away from situations, the Holy Spirit is wanting you to walk through relationally, he has a way of preparing the same scenario again in a place you've run to. Has anybody ever discovered that? Because you can run, but you can't hide. So learn your lesson where God's called you, work it through. But I'm offended. We have to learn. No, no, we all get offended, but don't take offence. Apply the gospel to every situation in life. We've discovered afresh that the gospel is not just when you become a Christian. The gospel is working, the gospel is given to you so you and I can work out life together, relationally, all the time. What is the gospel? It's forgiveness. Father, forgive them and they know what they do. Taking it on the chin. Keep giving. That's the gospel. I'm sorry. I forgive you. That's the gospel. We keep, whether it's in marriage, children and parents, whatever, the gospel is for us. That's how we come through. Yeah? Authentic. And that builds a really strong church. It does really build a strong church. It builds a strong marriages. It builds strong families. When we walk it through, because we're committed. And this is what was happening with Paul. He knew the journey ahead of them, God was opening a door and he needed people who were not going to run. But later on in his grace, John Mark was brought back through the door because he'd learnt a few things. Young John Mark. Okay, Paul set his sat-nav for Asia as he packed his bags. Could we do the... Can we get Asia on? Oh, oh, no, um, yeah, go back a bit. I just want to remind you of something. Um, Jesus told them, go into all the world and play, proclaim the gospel to everyone, didn't he? Can you, um, can you see there? You can't, can you? Can you see through the door? Sorry about that. There are some seats here. Next one. So, they set off. Oops, so, can you, they were up at Antioch up there, and they wanted to go into Bithynia and Pontius. That's Asia. And it would be understandable that they would do that because Jesus has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's logical. And also, that the Apostle Paul, when he got converted, do you remember Ananias um, was told by the Holy Spirit to go to a street called Straight, find a guy there who was blind, because he's got a, a calling on him for the, to go to the Gentiles. So he had a double whammy, um, prophetic, scriptures. It was logical to get the map out, being a strategic, strategist, and say... That's an unreached people group. We'll go there. Nobody's done that. You see, but when Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said something else. He said, I will be with you. He wasn't giving the corporate strategy to take over the world. He was saying, you go on this journey and as you go, I am with you by my spirit and I will lead you. So they came to Iconium, and they tried to get in. If you turn now to chapter 16, I'll just read it, the first few verses. 
um, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, uh, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and in Iconium. Can I just say, God had the person to help replace John Mark in his immaturity. He had a young Timothy waiting in the wings. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him, ouch, because of the Jews who were in the, those places, for they were, all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in numbers daily. That's a great verse for the fridge, isn't it? Now, here we go. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, that's interesting. So, they strategically had said, we're going through this door, because behind it lies Asia. There's people needing to be saved in Asia. They need Jesus. But the Holy Spirit was preventing them from going to Asia. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. Lit not literally, but metaphorically. What was happening here? Luke doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit forbade them from going into Asia. It could have been a prophetic word. It could have been illness even. It could have been opposition, it could have been they lost their passports, but whatever, they knew on this occasion it was the Holy Spirit stopping them from going into that country, to relocating into that country. But it has seemed so right and so proper. There's a, a rationale for it, but the Holy Spirit didn't allow them to go. Jesus' Great Commission directive was not a global corporate strategy, but rather be carried out by keeping and listening to, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Acts 16, 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. The Spirit did not permit them. If God shuts a door, stop banging on it. Stop banging on it, try and open it. Because you'd be wasting your energy. And that's a challenge because there are some doors that you have to spray WD-40 on the hinges in prayer. That's the fun. Because we're people of the Spirit. And I know there are some people facing doors with their employment at the moment. What should I do? Where should I go? We need to hear the Spirit. We really do. We really do need to hear the Spirit. Uh, just an aside, my wife, um, we, we felt that Sue um, should cut down from five days working with her job to three days. Some realigning taking place in our life. And she was a bit nervous about going to a boss because it's a full-on company um, looking after various nursing homes and preparing them for inspections with the government. But Sue 
I've heard her praying behind the door sometimes. You know. She's been soaking it in prayer. Psst. When I go for my appointment with my manager, Lord, I want to be able to go to three days and not to be, say, five days or nothing. And she goes this week and uh, a manager says, well, we want to appoint another layer of, of leadership um, as a re- regional manager level to do it. Um, and Sue said, actually, I'd like to go down to three days' work. And she says, that's great, that's just what I was thinking. And that for us, that might not mean a lot to you, but for us it's huge, absolutely huge. Why? Because it was a door ajar and not a door closed, and she prepared going through it through prayer. And obviously Paul and and Luke and, and Silas prayed about it, but the door remained shut. Please, don't waste your time. You've got to discern it here, but don't waste your time trying to go through a door when God is stopping it. You got it? And that's a, a big lesson to learn. Because sometimes it's easy to run and flee and stick it out and learn. The thing was, Paul was a determined guy. They said, we'll try and get in further up the road. So they, they marched another 200 miles plus and they tried again. It's in... in that chapter and again in one translation it said the spirit of Jesus stops them going in through the side door they're so determined so there's two separate occasions where the Holy Spirit is stopping them going through into what they thought would be a, the next future for them what's going on Lord this is frustrating I've got blisters on my feet the donkey's dying And then they came to that second place of rest and said, God, what are you saying? And they had a vision of a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. They went over towards Philippi. And what happened then? How did they do the strategy? Well, they continued to pray. And it's a big lesson for us, church, that we need to learn as we extend the kingdom of God, that's we're called to do that. Your kingdom come on earth as in heaven, Lord. We're called to take the gospel of the kingdom to those who don't know God's forgiveness. The question is, where are we to do it and how are we to do it? Now, I'll tell you one thing. You are called to be a light to your neighbours. Love your neighbour as yourself. So that's a definite. But we could put a map over Ashford and say, where shall we develop next? Where would the build, next building be for us? We've been, we're saving up for a building. The logical thing might be over there, but we have to submit everything to the Holy Spirit because he knows things that we do not know. He's pretty clever. He's God. He knows the future. And so it's, it's really smart to, as a church for us to submit our everything to him. And we must be open to the specific word of God, not just a general direction for guidance. And, and church, that sometimes involves a process that requires faith with patience. The enemy will whisper, those two years that you've been praying for a building, that was a waste of time. 24 hours of prayer. Prayer is never a waste of time. It's never a waste of time. Hebrews 11.6 says this, 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Knock, Jesus said, and the door will be open to you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone who asks to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you just knock on the door. Keep knocking. It's going to open. Sometimes I think we only knock once or twice and don't keep knocking. Well, what was the destination the Lord had in mind? He was leading them to Philippi. Had they not been responsive to the Spirit's redirection of the group, we would not have the wonderful epistle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. I'm falling in love with this epistle. I'm reading, I've been reading it every day, the whole lot, for the last three weeks. It's wonderful. I encourage you. We might even do a series on it. We don't know. It's, it's a superb epistle. Very practical on how Paul saw the church founded and grow there. So, first thing was, it was prayer. They came to the river and pray, and they met a woman called Lydia, who was from from Thyatira, and that's in Asia, interestingly. Aha! She was dead keen to invite them back to her house. She received the gospel, and um, it started with hospitality. Last week, when we had... Andy Robinson here and the, one of the prophetic team, Joe, she said at the end, hospitality is going to be key to this church's next phase. Did, did she say it publicly or was it to us? I can't. Okay, that wasn't just a good idea, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Hospitality is going to be key to the, this next stage for the church. It says that Lydia pressed them to go back to their house. You've got to come to our house. This wasn't just Eastern Middle um, East, um, Middle East um, um, protocol. There was a, you've got to come to our house. You've got to come and stay with us. It reminds me of how Jesus started his public ministry. In John chapter 1, um, there were disciples of John walking around and, one of, and, and uh, John said, ah, it, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they start transitioning over to, from John to Jesus. And Jesus said, guys, do you want to come and spend a day with me? That's how Jesus started his ministry. Come and spend a day with me. And I'm looking around here now, and I know so many of you open up your, the doors of your house. But that's how Jesus did it. Imagine spending a day with Jesus. He would have been frying something up most probably. You know, he, he, he would just imagine, lying in bed tonight and thinking, what would a day in Jesus' house be like? He, he had a house. Right? Spending a day with Jesus. And something gripped them about this man. There was a fusion of God's purposes and God's call just over food and drink and talking together. Can I say, don't be house proud or self conscious. Open up your home to others so Jesus can use it. Whether you live in a, ho- a large house, or a small house, or a bedsit. We can all be part of changing this town through hospitality. And next week, we've got our neighbours around again. We love them. They're lovely people. Because that's who we are. Love your neighbour as yourself. So we'll get the best wine out, the best food. Yeah, that's what you do. You get your best out. That's what Jesus would do. He'll give the best. Early church, they met in homes, welcomed strangers. The church grew because hospitality was at the heart of the church's life. Hospitality always starts 
with our hearts. It's not about having a big house, but a big heart. You can have a big house and a, and a, and a small heart. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I've been staggered this weekend as um, David and Catherine got married and David's family came down. People were being put up across the town. Why? We open up our homes to strangers. Jesus opened up his home to the first disciples. That's how he started it. GCA, Gateway Church Ashford, started in a house, Richard and Sarah Evans' home. They opened up their house for a dozen people, showing hospitality. It's a hallmark of this church. That's what, and we need to keep doing it because the Holy Spirit reminded us last week. You got it? This is how we'll move it on now. Hospitality. And as the church in Philippi was established, Paul reminded them, so we can have a look in Philippians, what, what actually happened and how he kept writing to them afterwards, after it was established. He said this in Philippians 2.4, um, don't put up the drawbridge and look out for one another's interests, not just your own. The attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. He always had the nature of God, but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took upon the nature of a servant. It's beautiful. Look out for one another's interests. I know there are stories in this church of people who have taken others in, strangers in, that if I told you, you'd be flabbergasted because they don't want to promote it, but I know, I know what you have done. And God knows it. And that's what builds you and it builds his kingdom. So if you've never invited your neighbours round for a meal or for coffee, knock on their door and say, would you like to come round next week for coffee? Or whatever you've got. Just, just love to have you round. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And we're praying like mad. <laughs> Don't tell them that. That's how Jesus built church. So back to the story. How did he get this breakthrough? Well, he went to the, they went to the river to pray and they kept praying. And um, I don't know what, um, what you, you did last weekend, but last Sunday evening we had a church prayer meeting down on, on the um, main park in town. We were going to pray for the town, but the Holy Spirit really led us to pray for young people. We prayed for the young people in the church. We prayed for the new technical college. It was a, a moment in God. That's how we do it. I was at Ashford Christian Fellowship yesterday for the wedding. They very kindly let us use the building. And I picked up, as you do, what they've got on next week. You know, see how they're doing and how we're doing. You know. Okay, Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock prayer. I thought, that's impressive. Wednesday morning, 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock prayer. Friday morning, 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock in morning prayer. I was provoked. I was provoked. Graham, be provoked. Be provoked. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. So when we call prayer, hey, this is what we do. 
Don't, don't give up. And as they, as they went along, actually, um, let me just say, Paul, later on, writing to the Philippian church, he says in 4.6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He's still coming back and saying, come on, keep doing it, keep doing it. Don't give up on prayer. Keep thanking God through the toughest of circumstances. Get that breakthrough. Because you have an enemy who wants to stop you, whether it's your business growing, your family doing well, whatever, keep praying. Keep praying. It's your secret weapon. Then we get back to Acts of the Apostles. Paul's walking along, and this slave girl, she starts saying, oh, you're a servant of the Most High God. And Paul gets fed up with it in the end. He says, shut up, come out of her, demonic spirit. He casts a demon out of this girl. Can I just say, in, in Mark chapter 16, where it's recorded on Jesus' great commandment, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. What's happened to that? What's happened to all the demons? Did they stop? Did they stop affecting and oppressing and possessing people when we got to the 20th century? I don't think so. You only have to go to other parts of the world and you'll see it's far more demonised, manifestly so. But there are demon possession and oppression in this country, it's just more sophisticated. We were praying for a woman who had got involved in adultery and um, was struggling to, to know what to do. We prayed for her. And as we prayed for her, she fell to the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this awful demonic voice cackled. <laughs> I don't want to come out. I like it. Wow, what happened there? It was a spirit of lust that had taken hold of this woman's will. And we, to be honest, we couldn't cast it out because she didn't want to repent. She wanted, to, she wanted to keep it. Somehow, a door had been opened into her life and her spirit. The demonic lust had got in because she persisted in an adulterous relationship that she knew was wrong and become oppressed by the enemy. And church... As we set sail on this new venture, God's leaning us, God's shaping us, and we need to be aware that it is a battle. There are some situations that you will not be able to cancel people through. You'll need to cast them out. And that requires discernment. It really does require discernment and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. And when the kingdom of God advances, even demons cry out. There are some things in some people that you know do not have their root in natural workings. Because some people have given themselves over 
whether it's demonic through um, the occult or whatever. But I say, I warn you, don't be doing stuff that leaves a door open. Give yourself to God. Be a part of the answer, not the problem. And then, power in praise. They got put in prison for this. So at midnight, Paul and Silas were having a praise party. And they were singing away behind the doors. Thank you, Jesus. I'm behind the door at this point for those who are listening on the internet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And the prisoners are going, oh, shut up. Why are they singing? They might get whipped tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. They were having a good time. The power of praise, God answered. Earthquake came. And not all earthquakes are of the devil. Sometimes the earthquake, God is in the earthquakes. And shaking going on. They could have been singing. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And the prison, uh, the, the prison officer, he comes and he said, Oh, my word, what's happening? What must I do to be saved? <laughs> he said, well, we'll tell you. The door's now been blown off the hinges and now there is somebody wanting to give their life to Christ. Not only that, his whole family are listening and the whole family gives their life to Christ. One of my prayers at this church is that whole families get baptised in our baptismal pool outside. Won't we be great one day? On August the 7th, we're getting a a a married man and woman being baptised together. They want to get baptised together. Because at Summer Church two weeks ago, our dear friend Robin, he gave his life to Christ. And they both now want to get baptised. He's going to throw a party at his place of work and invite his friends along. Because it's amazing. He's 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 excited about the gospel. I mean, it's a bit of a shock for you. But he's excited about the gospel. He's, ex- he's actually quite pleased that he's forgiven. And he's really enjoying God. And it's made such a transformation in his life. He's thrown a party. I mean, that's, you, some of you don't look convinced. You know, you, some of you should be saying, praise God. Actually, all of you should be saying, praise God, because the angels in heaven are rejoicing. There's a party gone on. Church, we prayed for this. We prayed for men to give their life to Christ, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. There's power in praise. And a jailer cried out, what must I do to be saved? I became a Christian when I was 11. Pretty simple, really. I knew on the inside I was dirty because I'm one of the most sinful members in our gang. People thought I was a goody, goody boy. But I knew I wasn't. And somebody told me that Jesus could come into my life. And this man, he read Revelation 3.20 to me. He said this. Um, of Jesus, at the end of the Bible, Jesus said this um, to the churches. Um, he appeared to John, the apostle. And Jesus said this to one particular church. Behold, look at me. I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear me call and open up the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. He knocks at the door of our lives. And as uh, Debbie's father said, 
when he came over from Cluj last, the other week, there's no handle on the outside. And like this one, it can only be opened from the inside. Now, what you may know is that Jesus was speaking to a church, not non-Christians, in that text. Because somehow, some of these lovely believers had closed the door again and their hearts had got hardened. Come on. I want, to open up, I want you to open up your heart so that I may have fellowship with you again. Intimate fellowship with you again. Church, there are many doors in this town in the street where you and I live, where the people are quietly dying on the inside, in their hearts and in their homes, they haven't got a solution. They do not know the solution. There's fear coming upon our nation. There's worry. But we've got Jesus, haven't we? Open up the door of your life. Open up the door of your home. Knock on your neighbour's door and we'll see what God can do in this town. I think just let's worship. Shall we come and just worship? And could, if there's anything that, that you feel that through what I've said, oh, that's me, Graham, just respond back to him in worship. Just say, God, yeah, that's me. I've been trying to f- press a door that's closed. I've been running. Or my heart's got a bit hard. Or, hey, I could, I could do more hospitality. Yeah? Let's, let's be open to him. Because this is how the gospel will run riot in our street, in our close, in our town.